Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to hear a word from God today? I'm ready to preach. I think it's going to encourage you. We have been on a focus this year, a focus called pray. That's right. If you forgot, just look at your wrists because we gave out about 2,000 wristbands. And if you don't have them, you can go to the lobby and grab them. Let's say pray first. And it really is a decision on leadership of this church. I really feel like God gave me a vision for us not to have a prayer focus. That is to say that in 365 days, we won't be talking about this no more, but rather a prayer pivot. I believe that God wants prayer to become the foundation of our life. And I want to speak to just two types of people. Maybe you've been here from the beginning. You've been here since we started this whole pray first thing. And maybe you started off strong and now you may be beginning to fizzle. You know, maybe pray first, turn into pray forth or something like that. And it's just not the same energy that you had when we kicked off. I want to encourage you. Don't feel like you have to catch up. Because God hasn't gone anywhere. Jesus does not pass you by. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. Open the door and let me in. You don't got to catch up to Jesus. You got to let Jesus in. He's at your heart. He's been at your heart. Today, you can go home in this service. You can take a moment and just invite the Lord. Lord, come on in. I want to spend time with you today. Also, I want to encourage those who are new to church, new to this topic of prayer. You might feel like prayer is too advanced of a topic for you. And I wanted to say it's not. It might be exactly what you need. I say this every time I preach on prayer. If you're new to church, new to God, a part of you is probably wondering if he's even real, if he even exists. And I want you to know that coming to a building to hear a person talk about God is not going to convince you about God. Sorry, mom. I know you were hoping that for your son or your daughter. <laughs> It's not going to work like that. I know you're hoping that for your man, for your girl. It's not going to work like that. Listen, coming to a building to hear God, to hear a person talk about God, is not going to convince you about God. But if you talk to God, and if you hear God talk to you, I'll tell you what, you will be convinced for the rest of your life that God is real. We just want to encourage you. Pray. Engage in prayer. Try prayer. Try it out. Speak to the Lord. Watch Him speak to you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to challenge you. Well, today, and inspire you, and give you life. He's the best. Today, I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about prayer on an aspect where I believe a lot of people put down prayer. I'll take it a step further. I want to talk about something. I believe that people don't just put down prayer when I talk about this topic. They actually put down their faith. I think when I talk about this topic, a lot of people put down God. They put down Jesus. They carry him maybe throughout their adolescence. And something happens. And I think what happens is, this is what I want to talk about today. We need something in our life. And we ask God for that. We ask him for some help. We ask him for some answer. We ask him for some miracle. And what happens? Nothing. And when it doesn't happen, when God doesn't say anything or when God says no, we, we end up in two conclusions. I think this is where a lot of people leave the faith. I think this can change your life if you grasp this. Hear me. We leave with one of two conclusions. Conclusion number one, prayer doesn't work. God's not really there. He's not really listening. He doesn't exist. Or two, and this might be even a worse conclusion than the first, he exists, he's real, but he wouldn't do what I needed so he can't be good. God is real, but he's not good because if he was good, he would have answered my prayer. And it makes sense when you experience something like that to come to that kind of conclusion. If you go to a restaurant, 
and you sit down at the restaurant and you order food and the server never comes out with your food. Or worse, you order chicken, he come out with fish. Listen, that's a bad restaurant. Bad restaurant, bad server. I ordered something, you didn't bring it out or you brought out something that I did not ask for. That makes sense in the context of a restaurant, but the metaphor does not translate into the things of God because the big difference between the restaurant and God is that you paid to sit at the restaurant. But you here did not pay for God. Listen, God paid for you when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. I just think prayer can be frustrating if you get twisted who serves who. If you think that God is there to serve you, then when God doesn't do what you want him to do, God fails. But if you understand that he bought us with the blood of his son, Jesus, so that we can serve him, you enter into the relationship with a whole different expectation and perspective. <laughs> I don't, you're not the one who serves me here. I'm the one who serves you. Also, I think when it doesn't work, we get frustrated because we say that it's broken. Prayer is broken. But that might not be the case at all. What, what about this right here? Is this, is this pulpit broken? Hello? Hello, pulpit? Can you hear me out there? Can, can, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? No? You can't hear me? You know why? Because this pulpit was not designed to amplify my voice. This microphone was. If I tried to use a thing in a way it was not designed for, then when it doesn't do what I expected it to do that it wasn't designed for, I can't say that thing is broken. It wasn't designed for it. When prayer does not produce the things that you want, it's not because prayer is broken. It's because prayer is not designed to give you the things that you want. Amen. Like seven amens. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. And you know, let me tell you right now, and let me tell you right now, that's a good thing. You'll know when you get older, when you look back. Thank you, God, for not answering that one. Thank you, God, for not answering it. Thank you, God, for not doing that one. I'm going to tell you something. It's radical. It's controversial, but it's true. It's not only good when God says no, it's better. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's better. Psalms chapter 138, verse 8. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. We don't like that. That's my life. And if it's my life, I want my plans for my life because it's my life. I only get one life. I want my plans for my life. And it says, no, his plans for my life. For your loving kindness, Lord, continues forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. I want to tell you a story that's going to make my wife look bad. And I need you to know two things before I share this story. Number one, any story I share here always gets her approval before I share it. So she knows what I'm about to say. Secondly, that's a weird place to clap, but I'm glad that you appreciate the, the integrity and the honesty that we have with her. I appreciate that. Second thing is she is not today who she was in this story, okay? God has transformed her. She's a butterfly. She's gone through the stages. And we were, we were both overseeing an internship program. Uh, we were leading some students who were, you know, studying the Bible, uh, trying to go into ministry. And I was the director. And she, and she was a part of that ministry leadership team. And we took a trip to New York to do ministry. And it was my job to plan the itinerary because I'm from New York. And so I planned it out. I have a whole bunch of things I wanted them to see and a whole bunch of things I wanted them to do. Um, but I didn't tell them what we wanted to do and what we were going to do. Number one, because I'm in charge. I don't have to. Number two, because I wanted it to be a surprise. I wanted them to show up at places and be like, oh, wow, that's dope. I had no idea. Like, I wanted it to be a surprise. Well, we get off the train. We get to, uh, to the city, passing Fifth Ave. All the big department stores are there. And she, my wife, she's like, oh, let's go shopping. 
because if you know my wife, this part of her is still true. She loves shopping. Shopping is a hobby for her. Pray for your pastor, okay? <laughs> to me, shopping is not a hobby. To me, shopping is an expense. But no, to my wife, it's a hobby. Although, to be fair, most hobbies have some kind of expense attached to them. And so she, she wanted to go shopping. I knew better than that because I knew that if we went in that department store, we would spend an hour in that department store only to go to the next department store and spend an hour in there. And then we wouldn't be able to see all the things that I have planned for us to see. You can go shopping anywhere. I want to make sure that we see the sights and tour the things. So I look back at her. She says, let's go shopping. And I say, no. Now we're dating at the time. So I'm still trying to figure out her. She's still trying to figure out me. I learned something about her then. She does not respond well to no. I don't think a lot of people had told her that in her life. She did not respond well to it. So I said, no. And she started arguing with me in front of the whole internship. The students are there. They're sitting back like little kids. just like, mom and dad are fighting. They don't know what to do. She learned something about me, and I don't back down easy. That was the other thing. And so, so I said, nope, we're going. And so I started walking. Well, I was the only one who knew where we were going, so everybody had to follow me. Everybody starts following me. And then, and then not only did she disagree with me in front of everybody, the worst part is she actually began to incite a rebellion. As we're walking down the street, I begin to hear from behind me a chant. Shopping, 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 shopping. It's like 12, 15 kids, shopping. I'm like, this woman. And so I said, no. Now, what she didn't know, like I said, was that we would get stuck there. If we went to go shopping here, we wouldn't be able to see all the sites that we were going to see. And not only that, what else she didn't know is that I had shopping in the itinerary. We were going to go shopping. We were just going to go at the end, after we had seen everything, after we had saw the sights. And not only were we going to go shopping in the end, we were going to go shopping in a place that had the same things at a cheaper price that I knew. <laughs> it was better. And not just the same things at a cheaper price, but even the bootleg things. You know what I'm talking about? If you're from New York, you know what I'm talking about. We were, I was going to show and introduce you to the, the, the Tommy Hilfinger, the... Uh, <laughs> Louis Vuitton, you know, all of that was there. And so you can get the real stuff, even the fake stuff, real good, real cheap. It was in the schedule. It was in the itinerary. I was going to take her to where she wanted to go. She was going to see things she could never imagine. But her plans were about to get in the way of a better plan. I wasn't saying no. I was saying yes, but better. Yes, we can go shopping, but I got something better planned for you that includes shopping. This is what you need to know about God. This is my point. I'm going to take a page out of my, my pastor friend, Andrew. This is my point and only point this sermon. Hopefully you get this, you get it all. But don't leave because I stopped speaking for 28 minutes. So <laughs> you can write this down. God's no is better than his yes because his no is actually a better yes. Would it, would it bother your theology if I said, make sure you don't just post this part because you need to hear the whole sermon. But would it bother your theology if I said, God never says no. That even when he says no, what his no is really is a better yes. That's what I want to speak to you today. The title of today's message is a better yes. A better yes. 
When God says no to the boyfriend, it's because he got a better husband. When God says no to the promotion, it's because he got a better position. When God says no to the house, it's because he got a better house and a better school district with better lending terms and better neighbors. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You had no idea. You took the walkthrough. You saw the house, but you didn't know the neighbor. God knew the neighbors. He spared you. It was better. I got to be honest, and this is not like a fronting, like preacher, like, like pretend preacher. Like this is me being real. I honestly love it when God says no. I know you, I know you think I'm lying. I promise. I love it when God says no. You know why I love it when God says no? Because when God says no, that means that whatever I had imagined was the best. Whatever I thought was the best, God goes, nah, better. Woo. So when he goes, no, I'm like, damn, you mean there's something better? I remember I was in a relationship with a girl, and I got to be real careful because, like, a lot of my ex-girlfriends, like, have gotten saved to the ministry and now watch online. So I don't know if you're watching right now. I had three girlfriends before Liz. It could be any one of y'all, so don't get it twisted, okay? But I remember one girl in particular. I remember one girl in particular. I prayed. I said, Lord, make her the one. That's a whole different kind of prayer. Some of us pray, Lord, is she the one, Lord? If she's the one, make it work. I was like, I evolved. I was like, make her, make her the one. Because I thought I knew what was best. And I wanted God to give me what I wanted, my plans. And God said, I love you too much to say yes. So I'm going to say no, obviously it didn't work out. Because I got a better yes. I got a better yes. A better yes. Makes sense when you hear it. Doesn't make a lot of sense when you live it. It's easy to amen that. Amen. It better, yes, amen. But when he doesn't see you, you're like, nah, chill. <laughs> Get that for me. I know, I know, I know what I need. I know what I want. That, that's Pastor Jesus' example. I know me. Come on, Lord. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions, Paul's a missionary. He's traveling to preach the gospel in other countries. That's what a missionary is. Throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. I'm confused. It didn't say that they were kept from doing drugs. It didn't say they were kept from gambling. It didn't say they were kept from cheating on their spouses. It said that he kept them from preaching. But isn't preaching a good thing? Why would the Lord not want me to preach? That makes no sense. It's not my point, but it's my point. Sometimes no makes no sense. I don't understand. Why wouldn't you want to heal my wife, God? It makes no sense. Why wouldn't you want us to own this building, Lord, that used to be a gambling center? Tell us in church, why wouldn't you want that? Makes no sense. Why wouldn't he want me to get out of debt? Then I could give more and be more generous. Makes no sense. When God doesn't do what we expect him to do, we always ask why. And I hate to break it to you because this passage of scripture is very much like life in the sense that God does not tell Paul why. If God had told Paul why, we could preach it different. We could preach it better. If, if it was because Paul got a stomachache, which we know he was inclined to do, we could do a whole sermon on diet, like eat the right diet. 
if, if, if God had said no because Paul had disobeyed, we could have said, this is what happens when you disobey God. If we, if we could say that the trip got ruined because Paul's companions bounced on him, then I could say it's important. Watch who you hang out with. Watch your crew. Make sure you surround yourself with good people. But we don't get the answer to why. Here's my first point. God doesn't answer why because when he gives us a better yes, listen, there's a better question. And the question is not why. When you are faced with the no of God, or better yet, a better yes of God, don't ask why. There's a better question. Paul knows that there's a better question and he answers that question. Paul didn't say why. Look at, because he answered another question. Verse six and seven, I'll read it again. Having been kept by the who? By the who? Who? From preaching. The spirit of who? 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 Would not allow them to. Listen, Paul didn't answer why because the only question that he did have was already answered. And that is not why am I not allowed, but who did not allow it? And once he knew that God was the one who allowed it, he was cool with it because he knew who God is. Do you know what Paul knew? Paul knew this, that the only one who can say no is God. Did you know that? The only one who can say no is God. This is so good for you to understand because if you get this, this will keep you from getting mad at the people who wouldn't support you. The coach that didn't pick you. The client that didn't hire you. The school that wouldn't accept you. The girl that wouldn't marry you. When you understand that God is the only one who says no, you don't ever got to worry about missing out on God's will because if the answer was no, then that was God's will. And I can rest in the fact that I know that it is God's will. You need to know that there is no person, no institution, no demon, no devil that can keep you from fulfilling God's plans for your life. No one, nothing, nobody. Revelations 3, 7 says this, here are the words of Jesus who holds the key of David. No one, someone say no one. No one can shut a door that he opens. Come on, let's take a praise break right there to recognize the fact that if God called me to it, you can't stop me. It don't matter if you think I'm too young. It don't matter if you think I'm too loud. It don't matter if you think I'm too Latino. If God's got a plan for my life, can't nobody stop it. Because if it's God's plan and if he said he'll do it, he will do it. Put your trust in the Lord. Know that where you end up, it's going to happen. There isn't a recession that can stop it. There isn't a debt deal that can stop it. There isn't a president that can stop it, a war that can stop it, a nuclear missile that can stop it, a COVID that can stop it, a person that can stop it. When God's got a plan, can't nobody close a door that the Lord opens. Can't do it. Say amen. All right, now I want you to keep that energy when we finish the verse. Somebody say, finish the verse. Amen. What God opens, no one can close, but finish the verse. Verse 7, here are the words of Jesus who hold the key of David. No one can shut what he opens. Amen. And what he shuts, no one can open. Amen. <laughs> that was a... That was a delayed force praise. <laughs> like, hey, yeah, I guess this is the time. You know what, though? That same energy. Because if he said yes, it was for your good. And if he said no, 
it was for your good. So I stand back and I go, Lord God, thank you for opening this door and in the same breath, and thank you for closing that one. Because if you opened it, it was to bless me. And if you closed it, it was to bless me. Thank you, Lord, for the open doors and the closed doors. Thank you for the people who stuck in my life. Thank you for the people who bounced. I'm so grateful. Thank you for the job you gave me. Thank you for getting me fired. Because I'd have never started this business if you had not closed that door. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Closed doors and open doors. I praise you all the way, no matter what, because I know that you love me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Psalms 138.8, for your loving kindness. Do you know that he has loving kindness? When you understand that he has loving kindness, no matter what people say, you're okay. When, when Jesus was about to go to the cross, he had one last opportunity to appeal his case to not die. And he's appealing his case with the governor. His name is Pilate. Pilate is begging him for a reply, begging him for a response. Pilate's wife had had a dream about Jesus. She had told him that Jesus was innocent. He's begging Jesus to defend himself. And all of a sudden, Pilate gets a little too uh, big for his britches. He gets a little too bold. He says something that makes Jesus speak. Jesus wasn't speaking. Pilate got upset. He looked at Jesus. He said this, John 19, 10, you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know I have power to set you free? and power to have you crucified. Now, this is funny. The Bible doesn't say it, but I think Jesus laughed. I think, I think he was all quiet. Don't you know? I have the power to crucify you or set you free. And Jesus just went, mm. <laughs> I wasn't going to say nothing. I'm not supposed to speak. My father told me to stay quiet, but you just said something hilarious. And I... I gotta just interrupt real quickly. <laughs> Verse 11, go ahead, put it on the screen. The only power you have over me is the power given to you by God. <laughs> he, he said, don't get it twisted. You might be my governor, but you are not my God. It might look like you have power, but any power you have was delegated to you by a higher power. It may look like you have authority, but that authority was delegated to you by God. It might look like you're the one who makes the decision, but any decision that you make has to pass the desk of my God first. And if my God approved it, then it must be good because I know who my God is. Here we go. Here we go. When something happens that you don't agree with, when God says no, when the miracle doesn't take place, the question isn't why is God? The question is who is God? And if you know who God is, who God is, becomes enough when you can't figure out why God does. I wrote it like this. This might be your next tattoo. It's pretty big, so maybe it's a back one. But you need, this needs to resonate with you. Listen, I don't need to know God's plans. I know his character, and that's enough. That's enough. And if you forgot, if, if the tragedy and trauma of this world caused you to forget his character, let me remind you, God is loving. God always keeps his promises. God is able. God is just. Let this one sink in your soul. And God is on your side. And when you know who he is, you don't need to know why he does. I know who he is. There's a better question. Secondly, if God says no, it's probably because there's a better way. There's a better way, a better way. 
a guy named David who was the king of Israel <clears throat> does something pretty shady. He uh, sees a beautiful woman who's married to another guy, sleeps with her, she gets pregnant. Then in order to cover up the pregnancy, he murders her husband, who was a friend of his, then marries her within the eight month, nine month period so that when she gives birth, everyone will think it's his baby. The Bible is interesting. The Bible is a whole soap opera, y'all. There's a whole novella, for those who don't. It's a Spanish soap opera, it's a whole thing. Uh, and so we pick up the story, because now the baby that was born from Bathsheba, which is this woman's name, his wife now, um, the baby got sick. David prayed to God for the baby. David fasted, 2 Samuel 12, 16 through 18. David prayed to God for the baby. David fasted and went into his house and stayed. They were lying on the ground all night. The elders of David's family came to him and tried to pull him up from the ground, but he refused to get up or to eat food with them. And on the seventh day, the baby died. Now, I know there are a lot of people who get upset at this story and get upset at God. What did the baby do to deserve that punishment? He didn't do anything. The parent was the one that did it. But we don't live in a world where our children are spared from our choices. Huh? What did you do to, to deserve an alcoholic father? Nothing but you had to live in the consequences of that. What did you do to have to grow up in a home where mom and dad were always fighting and it got abusive? Nothing, but that has affected your character and your personality to this day. We do not live in a world where the consequences of our choices are relegated only to us. Your choices affect the people you love. Say amen. You need to know that. That's the, the lie of the enemy. You're not hurting anybody, it's just you. It's not just you, it's everybody who loves you. It's everybody who loves you. They get hurt too. Verse 18, David's servants were afraid to tell him that the baby was dead. They said, look, we tried to talk to him while the baby was alive. And he was inconsolable. So if we tell him the baby's dead, he might do something awful. They're literally thinking he's going to kill himself. He might commit suicide. Verse 20, then David got up from the floor, washed himself. <laughs> what happened? This is unreal. What happens? When, when, uh, verse 19, sorry. When David saw his servants whispering, he knew the baby was dead, so he asked them, is the baby dead? They answered, yes, he's dead. Look what David does next, verse 20. Then David got up from the floor, washed himself, put lotions on. Lotions, y'all. <laughs> lotions. Changed his clothes, did his hair, plucked his, you know, nose hairs, like, like edged himself up, you know what I'm saying? Like put on cologne, then got up, then went, into the Lord's house to worship. And after that, went home and, and they said, make me a sandwich with a side of ice cream. And the service gave him some food and ate. This is how you respond when you understand that God's no is really a better yes. You don't just grieve, you celebrate and you worship at the same time because you know there's something better on the other side. David's servant said to him, why are you doing this? If you're as confused as, as we are when I first read this, when the baby was still alive, you fasted and you cried, but now that the baby's dead, you get up and eat food? David said, while the baby was still alive, I fasted and I cried because I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord will feel sorry for me and let the baby live. Now, I want to take a second here and, and, and just pause. This is why we pray. Who knows what God can do? When I lost my son, I remember the night before, we lost him before the C-section was scheduled. Um, I made a mistake. The doctor was like, it doesn't look good. I was like, what percent would you give my son of surviving? 
He's at 0.9. I'm like, that's just mean. <laughs> if you're the doctor, just be like, I'm not giving a number. Nope, he gave me a number. 0.9. I remember hearing him say 0.9, and I literally said these words to him. I said, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, it's a line from Dumb and Dumber. But in that moment, it was anointed. <laughs> I felt God's hand on it. Because what's the percent chance of somebody coming back dead from three days being in the tomb? That'll be less than 0.9. Who knows what God will do? It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the professionals say. If God can breathe on it, anything can happen. And David prays, Lord, who knows? And I like this too, because David doesn't rest on God's sovereignty to relieve him from the responsibility of prayer. David doesn't go, well, God will just do whatever God does, so I'm going to leave. No. He goes, well, God's going to do what God wants to do, but I'm going to pray and see if I can move the heart of God. Did you see that? Never become the kind of Christian who's like, well, God's in charge. He's going to do what he wants, so I'm not even going to pray. That's not what David did. He was like, I'm going to see if I can move God's heart. I'm going to pray because I know God loves me because I know his character, and I know he, he's getting for my good, so I'm going to pray. And, and that sovereignty doesn't relieve him from the responsibility of prayer. It actually gives him peace. Look what he says after he prays. But now the baby's dead. Why should I fast? I can't bring him back to life, but someday I'm going to go to him. But he can't come back to me. And now ready, the better yes is about to happen. Verse 24. Then Bathsheba, his wife, became pregnant again and had another son whom David named Solomon. And the Lord loved Solomon. Now Solomon becomes the future father of Jesus eventually. He also becomes one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. It was definitely God's better yes. But hear me, Solomon doesn't become a better king because he was a better person. Solomon becomes a better king because losing his son made David a better father. Something you need to know about David, he wasn't the world's best dad. It makes sense because when he grew up, he didn't have the best dad. His dad ignored him. His dad wasn't always there for him. His dad talked bad about him. His dad literally forgot his name at one point. You know how bad it is to forget your son's name in the Bible? Like, Samuel came up to him. He was like, you got another kid? They're like, yeah, we got one more. <laughs> He's with the sheep. No name. Yeah, David's out there chilling. He's like, we got one around here. We don't, we don't call him. He's the dude with the sheep. That's a bad. I mean, you grow up in a house like that, you don't get a lot of attention. You don't. So what did he do when he became a father? Are you ready? What a lot of us do. He overcorrected. My parents weren't there for me, so this is what he did. So I'm going to spoil my kids, and that's exactly what David did. David spoiled his kid. He spoiled his kid so bad that one day, one of his sons killed one of his other sons, and he didn't even get in trouble. You know how spoiled that is? My sons don't clean their room. It's time, you know, you punish, you punish. You kill him, and it's like, try better. <laughs> Next time. That's what David did. Because like, I don't want to treat you like my father treated me. And so his kids grew up with no discipline. But when David loses that, that unnamed son, he changes the way he begins to father, and he begins to pour wisdom into Solomon. And it's no wonder why Solomon becomes the next king because he was the one that David was the closest to in raising, investing principles. When God says no, it's usually because he's trying to show you a better way to live. Sometimes you make mistakes. I've made mistakes in my life, and God has spared me from the consequences of those mistakes most of the time. Anybody say amen to that? Like, you shouldn't be here. Like, you made some mistakes, and God has spared you from those consequences multiple times. But there are other times in life, listen, where we make a mistake, and God goes, not this time. Because I need you to learn 
from what you did. My sons are in jujitsu right now. I really love that. They're learning, you know, discipline. They're learning self-defense. I think that's important because school is wild right now. So I use myself to put somebody in a headlock or something. So I'm glad he knows some stuff. The problem is that they like to practice it on each other at home without each other's permission. <laughs> so sometimes I'll be walking down the stairs and one of them has the other one in a triangle chokehold <laughs> or an arm bar. Literally, I'm walking in on arm bars. And he's not supposed to do that. He knows he's not supposed to do that. Jiu-Jitsu is for a jiu-jitsu class, not to mess around with. And, I, and I'm telling him, right now, you're going to get punished. And every time, the, the, you know, the perpetrator always looks at me. And they take turns, because it's both of them sometimes. The perpetrator will look at me, and he'll be like, please, no, Dad. Not this time. I'm so sorry. I don't want, I don't want to get punished. Forgive me. Have mercy. <laughs> and everything in me wants to give them mercy. Everything in me wants to forgive them. But before I do that, it crosses my mind, what would happen if they didn't learn? How much worse could this be if they didn't learn? When God says no to saving you from an issue or a trouble, it might be because what's on the other side of that is better than what's in that. And God's like, I need you to learn. Come on, have you ever experienced this in life? I don't know if you're still in college or high school, if you can remember those days when you were in school, when you prayed to the Lord to help you on the test you did not study for? Lord, if you could just this time, Lord, just give me the answer, Lord, just deposit those answers, just download those answers in my heart, Jesus. If you could, I will serve you, Lord. I'll pay my tithes, Lord. I'll be a missionary, Lord. I just need to pass Kim 101, Lord. If you could just help me here, Jesus, just download the periodic table, Lord, in my heart. And I will serve you all the days of my life. And God's like, no, I'm not going to give you the answer. But on the other side of my no might not be an answer, but there will be character. Because yes. I'm going to instill in you the discipline to prepare, which will serve you a lot more than just this exam. Are you with me? Lord, restore my family. If you can restore my family, we're always fighting, we're always beefing, we're angry, we didn't have the holidays together, we don't get along, restore my family. God says no, because when you, re when you pray restore your family, what you're really asking is, Lord, change them. And I'm not going to change them, I'm going to give you a better yes, I'm going to change you. Are you ready for this? If you're in the middle of some family, John right, right now, let me help you. If God changes them, then you'll stay you because you'll think that they were the problem. Wow. So God holds them, forces you to change so that restoration can happen in the family. And then your change inspires their change. I didn't expect a lot of amens. I'm just saying. God, give me peace. God said, I'm not going to give you peace. Why? Because you live in a double life. And your anxiety is not a mental issue. The anxiety is you're hiding. And if you come out into the open and you let the people you love know what you're going through, then that confession is going to lead to peace. So I might not give you peace, but I got a better yes. I got integrity and I got a sustainable peace, not a temporary one. So come out of the dark. Let the world know who you are and we'll work and we'll take it from there. I got a better yes. Here's the lesson. Anytime the Lord does not answer your prayer and it doesn't happen the way you thought, step back and go, what are you trying to teach me? What do I have to learn here? What is the lesson? Show me. Show me. There's a better question. There's a better way. Lastly, I think the thing that God is trying to tell us, the truth that God is trying to tell us when we don't get our way, when he just says no, 
is that I'm better. God says, I'm better. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 8. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. This verse challenges me. It confuses me. I was given, given a thorn. You don't give a thorn. You give a present. I was given. And right now, Paul is challenging us to change the way we think. There's a better way to think about our obstacles. Have you ever said that before? I was given scoliosis. I was given ADHD. I was, I was given a special needs child. I was, I was given it. I was given her. I was given him. Yeah, it was a gift. Well, it don't feel like a gift. You know, the word in Greek, forgive, if you think I'm misteaching it, is, is a word called didomi. Yeah, somebody say didomi. I like that word. It literally means present. It means offering. I got picked you to, to carry it like it was a gift. Didomi, I like that. Remember that the next time you cry out to the Lord, Lord, what did you do to me? He'll look back at you and go, no, 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 not do to me. Did it me. Feels like a grind, but it's a gift. Feels like a problem, but it's a promise. Feels like a burden, but it's a bonus. <laughs> it's not, not do to me. Did it me. I promise you there's something else on the other side of this. This might feel like an obstacle, but there's something better. But what's better, Lord? Because I, I, don't, I don't see it. Go to verse 9. I'll tell you what's better. I'm not going to pull the thorn out, but this is what's better. My grace. My power. It's what's best. It's better. The best is better, y'all. The best is better. My grace. My power. So now I'm glad to boast about my week. I'm glad. So that the power of who? Christ can work through me. You know what God is saying is better? He's saying, I'm better. I don't have a slide for this. This is what I'm trying to tell you. A deeper relationship with God is better than whatever you're praying for. And sometimes when God doesn't give you the thing you've been asking for, it's so that you can put your attention on the one who provides those things, which will serve you longer. It's better. I'll show you how this works in my life and I'll show you how this works in your life. Ask me for a cup of water. Yeah, come on. I'm going to give it to you. You're welcome. You can sit down. Ask me for a cup of water. Absolutely. This is my example. I'm going to give it to you. Go. You're welcome. You're welcome. Ben, it's my wife. Ask me for a cup of water. Absolutely. Here you go. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, ask me for a cup of water. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could, but I'm, uh, I'm all out. Now, I know this seems strange to you. What am I doing? It, I, I'm just telling you how it feels to be a pastor sometimes. He, he needed advice. I gave him advice. He, he needed hope. I gave him hope. She needed perspective. I gave him perspective. She needed a, 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 a prayer, a blessing. But when it came time, I had no more to give. Because everything I had, I already gave. Now, this might scare you, but this happens to me often. So what I do is, I pray. Lord, Sunday's coming. Oh, Jesus, Sunday's coming. 
and I got to preach, and I don't know what to say. They've heard all my stories. At this point, I'm making stuff up. <laughs> I don't. I promise. Every story really happens. I promise. My wife is my, my witness. Um, Lord, if you don't give me a word, I don't have nothing to give them. Give me a word. And while you're at it, take away the anxiety. And while you're at it, take away the, the, the feeling like I'm not enough. And while you're at it, take away the doubt and take away the worry. And can you give me some confidence? I need you because I want to preach and I want to help people. This is the thing I'm asking for. And guess what God says? No. But Lord, I'm here to serve you. I need it and I can't do it without you. No. I'm not going to give it to you. Okay. And then, since I can feel that the Lord is not going to give me the things that I need, I start to take my focus off the things that I need. And I said, go well, fine, well, I'm going to stop looking at that. Give me a second, East Campus, I'll be right back. Okay. Stop getting my focus off the things that I need. And I go, well, since I don't have those things, I'm just going to talk about the one who gives those things. Father, thank you so much. Your love never fails. Your mercy never fails. Whether I preach good or whether I preach bad, you're still good. You still love me. You still believe in me. You've called me. You've anointed me. Thank you that my my salvation is secure. My eternity is it. Father, I love you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your love. You're beautiful beyond description. You're beautiful beyond compare. I love the way you whisper to me. Your word is powerful. You're so holy and good. There's no one like you. And something happens as I begin to worship. Father, you're wonderful. You're amazing. You're strong. You're awesome. There's no one like you. Hallelujah. 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 You're faithful. You're the beginning. You're the end. You're the alpha. You're the omega. You're the one who gives to others. And all of a sudden, my focus shifts. I don't got to give you. I can just overflow from what the God, from what God is pouring in me. When I take my eyes off of the thing and I put my eyes on the one who provides the thing, then not only do I have everything, but I also have the one who gives the thing. Here's what God told me to tell you. Get your eyes off of sips and get your eyes on the source, the source of your joy, the source of your peace, the source of your life, the source of your hope, the source of your provision, the source of your strength, the source of your healing, the source of your mental health, the source of your future, the source of your children. I'm not worried about stuff. I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about him. And I don't gotta be worried about him because he's good. I know who he is. I know that he loves me. I know that he's with me. You never end. Never end. You never end. You never end. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Be careful. That's wet. <laughs> Worship team, you can come on out. Listen to me. Get your eyes. Stop praying for sips. Start going to the source. You know why you want that house? Because you're looking for a sip of security. But that house is a false security. Ask anyone who bought one in 2008. Right. 
God says, you want security? Come to the one that when you build your house on the rock and the rain falls and the flood comes and the wind blows, he who built his house on the rock still stands because he has a firm foundation. You know why you want that paper? Because you're looking for a source of provision, providing for retirement, providing for your kids' shoes, providing clothes, providing shelter. And God says, listen, have you been alive in 2023? Little thing called inflation. That money is a false sense of provision. Instead, come to the Jehovah Jireh provider, the source of your provision. The one who said, if you plant your tree next to the stream of living water, you'll produce fruit in all seasons. In winter, in summer, in spring, in fall, your leaves will never wither, your fruit will never dry. You know why you want the healing? If you're sick right now, if you know someone who's sick, you know why you want healing? Because you're looking for a sip of life. But let's say God heals you and you get 10 more years, 15 more years, 20 more years, 30 more years. Seems like a lot, but what about when you compare 30 years to eternity? Are you ready? It's just a sip of life. Instead, come to the source of eternal life. It's a better yes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm speaking real specific to anybody online, anybody at University High School, anybody in this room who recently God has said no. And you're up against a wall and you're frustrated and you're mad at God, I want to remind you today, it's not a no. It's a better yes. It's a better yes. It's a better yes. If that's you and you need your faith to rise up, you need your courage to rise up. You need to be reminded today all over this room. Would you lift your hands up? I want to pray for you right now. God, you see every hand. You see every frustrated believer. You see everybody who's going through a tough time. It's not no. It's a better yes. You got something on the other side of this, Lord. We trust in you. We believe in you. We ask you to do what only you can do, Lord. Would you remind them right now who your character is, who you are, about your faithfulness and your goodness and your love and your mercy and your kindness, God. None of those things cease. None of those things cease. Come on, just receive faith right now. Faith is rising all over the room right now. Faith is rising all over the room right now. It's not a no. It's a better yes. It's not a no. It's a better yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep your, keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room today, if you're watching online and you're far from Jesus and you're ready to come home, you're ready to give your life on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand up. I need you, Lord. I believe that you came from heaven 2,000 years ago to erase my sin, to give me a brand new life. And today I want to start that life with you on three. If you need Jesus in your life, you're ready to start a relationship and get to know God. Raise your right hand high all over this room. One, two, three. Right hands high all over the room. I see your hands. I see your hand at ease. Pray this prayer with me, whether you raise your hand or not. Father God, come on, everyone say it. Father God, today I let you in. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. Jesus, I believe you died, resurrected, and are coming back again. I give you my heart. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.